What's up, everyone? This is Hannah with the Healthy Charleston Podcast. I am a physical therapist here in Charleston, and I am the new host of this podcast. This podcast is meant to give you the correct health and fitness information, along with spreading awareness of all of the different health and fitness professionals here in Charleston. I love being able to use this podcast as a way to meet all of those around me that are trying to make the world a better place. And my mission as a PT is to educate people and to empower them to take ownership and control of their health. This is season three of the podcast. You can find us on Instagram at Healthy Charleston. Otherwise, thank you so much for listening. Enjoy the show. What's up, guys? Today, I am interviewing Matthew Blair Davis, who is the current director of personal trainer development at Shaping Concepts in Mount Pleasant. He has a ton of experience within the fitness and personal training realm. He owns his own business, and he actually has a lot of experience working with figure skaters. That was cool, because I've never really talked to anyone that's personal trained figure skaters. He's worked at O2. He's worked at Gold's. He has led a lot of personal training studios and gyms to greatness. Again, he has a lot of experience, lots of cool stories along the way, so give it a listen. All right, everyone, welcome back to the Healthy Charleston podcast. Today, I'm with Matthew Blair Davis, the director at Shaping Concepts, who also owns his own business, MBD Performance, and he does a lot of things, people. A lot of things to talk about. Very busy guy. So, welcome. Thank you for having me. Yeah, thank you so much for being here. So, Tell me, I know it's probably hard to put it all in one sentence, tell me what you do here in Charleston. Right, so right now I am the director at Shaping Concepts, and you know what I do is I work with all of the personal trainers at Shaping Concepts, and my job is to really recruit, uh, hire, train, work with all the personal trainers that are in the facility. Also, I work with the owner, uh, Shane Dahl is the owner, so I work with him a lot, I'm, I'm kind of his consultant. So we do a lot of work together, just kind of strategizing, working on the management aspect. And, you know, really what I really enjoy doing is I enjoy working with personal trainers. I don't do a whole lot of personal training mm-hmm. at Shaping Concepts. I do about maybe 10 hours per week of, of actual personal training. But otherwise, I spend the majority of my time there, uh, you know, working with the training staff and, and doing a lot of strategy work. Uh, we're currently redesigning the entire facility. So it's pretty cool stuff. What we're doing is we're, we just got rid of a ton of equipment. We just put in a big turf area. So oh, we've got this yes. big green, like 600 square foot turf you'd area. Say that. Yeah. And so we, we just like, we redesigned the whole facility just to kind of suit the style of training that we want to do there. Okay. What style of training is that? Yeah. So we want to get, you know, a lot more functional and a lot more, you know, movement based training. What it was, and it's you know it's still what I see today there because it's going to be a gradual change. Yeah. But what I see today is I see a lot of you know body part specific stuff. You know people doing a lot of the same you know exercises for the same types of people, and so we're trying to mix it up a lot. And so what we're doing is we're adding a lot of new tools to the facility. We're going to add you know vipers. I'm, I'm a big viper guy, so okay. I, I love using that tool. What is a viper? I swear yeah. I should know this, but. Yeah, so Viper, I can give you the whole history of it. No, but, uh, just tell me what it is. <laughs> but Viper is, uh, it's an acronym. So Viper is Vitality, Performance, and Reconditioning. 
Okay. So VIPR. Should I look this Viper. up? Ah, you could. But uh, Viper is a tool that was created by a guy named Michel Dalcourt okay. at the Institute of Motion. And uh, I started studying Viper training back in, oh. I think, 2012, I think it was, maybe 2011. Wait, is this the, uh, is this a log? It looks kind of like a log with handles built into it. Okay. Do you use this for like strongman stuff? No. Okay. No, because the, the heaviest Viper yeah. is about uh, like 45 pounds. Oh, okay. Yeah. So it just looks like log. Yeah. So it's okay. really not heavy, but it's made for loaded movement. Yeah. And so you're, you're doing a lot of different types of movement patterns. You're doing things that are more based on, you know, lines of myofascia. They're more based on like Thomas Myers anatomy trains hmm. type stuff. Oh, so if you're trying to hit like the spiral line, you're trying to work, you know, the superficial back line, you know, stuff like that, then, then that's what you're using, you're using Viper for. So it's a lot more movement based work. It looks kind of weird, but, but really effective for a lot of populations. So yeah. well, we're going to use a lot of that. Uh, you know, I'm implementing even like rip trainers into what we do, uh, you know, TRX, more, more suspension mm -hmm. training, believe it or not, they, you know, shaping concepts didn't have any suspension trainers. Like TRX suspension trainers right. when I got in. Yeah. So I actually brought a couple with me. Um, we're going to add Presidos Platform 9s. You're saying all these fancy yeah. words. <laughs> like yeah. I know what a barbell is. I know what a rig yeah. is. <laughs> yeah. So barbells too. Got barbells Great. too. Love but uh, we're going to add. So we're just making things a lot more functional. Even, you know, there's, we've got kettlebell racks, dumbbell racks. So like I just spent all morning working on the, on the turf area, you know, working with three different people. And I think we spent every minute of that hour just on the turf yeah. doing all types of, you know, different training for, especially my first person that I had today was, uh, you know, somebody in their 30s, very healthy. And so, you know, she came in and she did a, just a ton of movement training. Yeah. You know, as it re related to the... Uh, like a functional fitness Exactly. Workout. So what brought on those changes? Uh, the changes, really what Shane wants. So, the, you know, the owner of the facility, great guy. You know, Shane Dahl's a great guy, you know, good friend, and he wanted to make some changes. And it's funny because when I first met Shane, this is a good story. When I first met him, we, I came into the facility and we sat down for, I think, five hours. And I didn't even realize five hours went by. <laughs> so seriously, uh, so we were sitting at his desk, but I, I told him, I, right, I just told him, I said, this is what I see when I walk into your, your, your space. And I told him just a whole bunch of critiques. Yeah. And, you know, the, the word cluttered kind of kept coming up over and over. And we talked about the style of training that he really wanted to implement in, in his studio. And so we just kind of combined the fact that it's really cluttered with the style of training he wants, which is more of a functional, mm -hmm. you know, think of Mike Boyle type, you know, functional strength coach kind of, you know, kind of motive. That's what he wants Instead to add like to machines. It. Exactly. Instead of machines and just doing body parts. Yeah. Yep. So that's, that's what we switched up. So when is all that going to be done or is it done? That's, that's a good question. As I was leaving today, <laughs> uh, we were having a couple guys coming in and cutting some rubber okay. and trying to fit the turf area kind of into the floor a little bit better. And, uh, you know, there's some equipment that we're still trying to get rid of, you know, talk about clutter. You know, there, there's like there's like a treadmill we're trying to get rid of, a couple bikes we're trying to get rid of, and and Are you uh, selling them. I yeah, feel like the market for yeah. home gym equipment is huge right now. <laughs> I'm sure you can sell them. Yeah, so we're we're selling the equipment. You know, Shane's putting a lot of stuff on like Facebook yeah. marketplace. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So you recently just started with them, right? So tell me about MBD Performance. Right. So MBD Performance is my own company. So it's a company. 
it's funny because I actually uh, had a different name a long time ago, but I've, I've had my own business really since about 2005. And it, uh, back then it was called Functional Revolution. Hmm. And over time I just kind of switched the name uh, to MBD Performance just to be more you know, related to just myself and who I am. Uh, back in the day I had employees that when I had corporate fitness centers, I used to kind of send trainers out to these corporate fitness centers and they would, they would do work under the Functional Revolution name. Mm-hmm. And so these days, it really, it's just me. That's kind of how I wanted it. And what I currently do is I do a lot of uh, distance work, a lot of virtual work. A lot of it is you know, just because of the COVID you know, situation. So I do a lot of that kind of work. Uh, you know, I just had somebody reach out to me from Ireland. Yeah. You know, talking about uh, designing training programs that... Because I've done a lot of work with figure skating. Mm-hmm. And so the majority of the work I do with MBD Performance is a lot of distance figure skating work. Okay. So, a couple questions. How did the person in Ireland find you? Obviously, you're really great at marketing, right? So, that's, that's fine. That's a good question. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So, there's a website called iCoachSkating.com. Oh, my God. So, that, that's a website. And okay. I'm a contributor to the website. And it's oh, actually okay. in the figure skating world. It's actually a really popular website, and it's run by you know this great guy named Trevor. He lives in Puerto Rico. He runs the, the website, and so he'll reach out to me and say, "Hey, can you send, can you create a video for me on this and this and this?" Like right, right now, I'm working on a video on all different types of off ice warm ups mm-hmm. for figure skaters. You know, prior to when they get on the ice to uh, to do their skating. So like he wants me to create a four part video series for that. But I've got tons of content on his website. Okay. So there's a whole series of, I think, five videos that I just created for the website, which is just like, it's like running the gamut of how I design off-ice training for figure skaters. So they found you off that. Right. So this person was a member of the website. So how did you get into figure skating? Yeah. So uh, 2006. So back in 2006. Uh, Were you I, a figure skater? Never. I was okay. never never a figure skater. No, I'm a pretty big guy. So, like, I, I, neon, neon skates, like, <laughs> rotating, like, you can't picture that at all. Yeah, that's not, that's not me. Like, that's why I asked. Yeah, yeah it's funny. The, girl, the girls, you know, would, would start laughing at that. But, uh, you know, like, the figure skater girl. Yeah. But, but so, uh, 2006 was, I, I had a trainer friend. I, I'm trying to remember what her name was. But a, a trainer friend who was kind of getting out of personal training. And she reached out to me and she wanted, to, she's like, do you want to work with a figure skater? And I'd never done that before. I watched figure skating in the Olympics mm-hmm. and I never worked with skaters before. And so what happened was she, uh, I, I reached out to the figure skater girl and we scheduled like a, like a dinner with her mom and her. And she was 14 at the time. And, you know, so I met the mom, they're Vietnamese, I met the mom and her at a Vietnamese restaurant, Mm -hmm. and I've never met them before. This was just a random, like, okay, we're going to meet at a Vietnamese restaurant. And you've never trained a figure skater No, I never trained a figure skater, but, you know, this was a long time, I mean, just being a go-getter, like, I I take a lot of risks and chances, because you have to. And so I, I met with them at the restaurant, and we talked about figure skating and what I would do with her, like, whatever popped in my head. And so they were sold. They were like, sure, you know, this sounds good. Let's meet up at this gym that, you know, I used to do personal training at as as a contractor. I would just show up. It was the kind of gym where the trainer buys a membership, the client buys a membership, 
and they just let all of these private trainers and their clients train all over this gym. Does that happen anymore? I don't know, but it, it did back then. This was in the like Tyson's Corner, Virginia. Okay. A ton of, ton of yeah. And and that's really how it started. And I started working with this one 14 year old girl, and you know now she's 28 years old, and she's a, a registered nurse. That's what she is now. I still keep up with her. Aww. But uh, we trained for about six months, two hours a week. And she started landing her double axle on the ice. And it was kind of amazing, the coaches that were at this rink that, that she would skate at. So because she had so much success, they're asking, like, what are you doing to get better? She mentioned me. And because of that, I had a meeting with uh, this guy named Tommy who was the best figure skater in the area, and his coach, who was Audrey. And I met with them at this gym. And so after that, I started to train Tommy three days a week at their ice rink. Hmm. So gradually, I shifted my entire business to being at the ice rink. And within about a month, I had about 40 figure skaters wow. at that ice rink that I was working with. And I was pretty much working with their entire skating club, moving forward and and that's really how it began. It began with uh, you know the, the one girl one, who was 14. Yeah, just one open door. Yeah, she had success. And that led to, okay, here's our best skater who needs his triple axle. Mm -hmm. And he was like 5 foot 8, 120 pounds at the time. And so, you know, we put on some muscle. Like we built his engine, mm -hmm. you know, as, as it relates to training. And it was cool seeing him kind of fill out a little bit, just doing some weight, weight training and doing a lot of power work. But we, you know, improved his performance where doing a triple axle was no problem. Awesome. We upped over the first 10 months of his training. We ended up, uh, he, he had his best finish that he ever had at Nationals that year. He was a top-level, senior-level skater. And I think he finished uh, eighth in the country. Wow. And he never had more, more success after that. Wow. So yeah. when you first met with them... And they're probably asking you, you know, like, what experience do you have with figure skating? And what are you going to do for me? Like, how did you, you obviously did a really great job, but like, how did you sell yourself? What did you base that off of? Yeah, I think, you, you know, when they decided to meet with me right off the bat, I think they were already kind of sold because they saw the progress with the girl that no, I so worked with, with first. With the girl. So how did... Yeah. How did you sell yourself to her? Because you, oh. you had never trained any figure skater before. Yeah, that, I mean, that's a great question. Uh, how did I sell you? This is a long time ago. It's almost like 15 years ago. But from what I can remember, you know, no different than when I meet with anybody even today. So, like, a good example would be I met with somebody last week. Uh, you know, this person came in uh, who was from out of town and... You know, she needs to lose a lot of weight. I think she wants to lose at least 100 pounds. And I sat down with her for about an hour and a half. And, you know, I, you know she got into personal training with us. And, and uh, but it's just, I, I care. Like, I, I, when I sit down with somebody and they start talking about their goals, I'm naturally like a, a real problem solver kind of guy. Mm -hmm. So what I do is I, I just immediately start thinking about how I can help this person. And I'm a super genuine person. Like, there's just no fake with me at all. Like, you know, what you see is what you get. So I just, I, I don't BS. Like, I don't, I don't beat around the bush. I just tell them this is what you got to do. I, I'm, a, I'm a really good listener when people have to talk. So going back to those days, you know, I, I just think that they were explaining exactly what she wanted to accomplish. And I started talking about, okay, this is the plan. This is what we're going to do. 
And it's cool because the first things that I did with her, from what I remember, was a lot of just, okay, we're going to stand on a BOSU ball on the, on the round side of the, the dome of the BOSU ball on one leg, and we're going to balance and do things, and, and we're going to you know, do a single leg, you know, one arm dumbbell row with one leg up in the air with a hand on a bench. And, and all these things, they worked, but they only worked because the girl who was 14 at the time, she worked really hard. Like her, her training, I, I could design a good program and if somebody doesn't implement it well, right, then it's not going to go well. But for her, like she, she did such a good job and she was so dedicated, focused. Parents, you know, were, did such a great job with her. Like she was a really smart kid, went to like a, an, an accelerated like magnet school, you know, so all those things, you know, take into account. So it's but an I just, intense yeah. sport. For yeah, sure. but I've I've worked with some great you know figure skaters over the years. That's and I, you know I'm really proud of the work I've done with figure skaters and and I've you know worked with some of the better ones in the country because they would visit. Uh, so when I, when I was at this ice rink back then, we had people visiting from even other countries. Mm. So we would was get some great Virginia? skaters to come in. Yeah, it was in Fairfax, Virginia. So. What did you, like, what do you think was the thing for her that helped her the most? Because obviously, like, with training, pro, like, concepts are the same, but you had to be really specific to her sport, and you hadn't had any experience with this before. So, like, how did you come up with it? Where did it come from? Yeah, I mean, I was thinking back then, looking at just my experience of just watching, like, the Olympics and watching figure skating, I looked at it, and I was like, okay, things are done on a single leg. Like, everything mm-hmm. in figure skating, you're on one leg, you're on the other leg. And you're, there's a lot of rotation involved. And obviously you're on ice, so you're on a really slippery surface. So, you know, I thought about, okay, I'm going to make everything like single leg based, but I also want her to gain stability. So it, it, a lot of the concepts, even back then, I do today with, with skaters, where I, we begin with a lot of stability work and balance. So we're doing a lot of one leg work. We're doing a lot of core stability type work. But for her, you know, the things we did right off the bat, I remember... You know, there's a website, there's a, a ptonthenet.com is a, is a website that's been around for a long time. And I used to be a contributor to the website. I used to write articles and, and columns for them. Yeah. And uh, I remember her program, I turned into a, an article. Like, it's probably still, still on their website. Hmm. But, but I turned it into an article right, with photos and everything. So, you know, if somebody's a member of that website, they could probably still read that article. But it's, uh, you know, looking back, you know, I didn't know what I was doing. Like, looking back at it, I really didn't know. But you, I was you just did, guessing. though. Like, it sounds like you, yeah. you took apart the components that you knew were important, and then you trained her based off that. Yeah. You know, the concepts are the same. Like, you get, like, strength and conditioning across the board, but you had to be super specific. And that's a sport that, I mean, I've never worked with a figure skater before. So, what, what kind of athletes were you working with before what kind of what was the population before figure skating? Yeah, before you know, before I was doing that, I did a lot of fitness director work. Mm-hmm. You know, so I was uh, right before that. I think I spent four years uh, working for a couple different companies as a, as a fitness director. So that was right when I left that type of work. I started my own business back in two thousand five, mm-hmm. and it wasn't until about a year into that that business that I started doing the working with the skaters, you know, but so really for that year before that, I was doing a lot of, you know, corporate fitness. I was going, I had, I had five different corporate fitness centers that I was going between 
like all over the DC area. So I would, I, I what I would do is I would go to a, an, an office building. This, this is it's actually pretty interesting. Uh, what I would do is I would do a, a, a lunch and learn seminar. Mm-hmm. So back then I would go to these office buildings. I worked for a health fair company, and the health fair company would let me know whenever one of these corporations wanted me to come in and do a, a presentation. So I would go into a conference room, and I would have like 50 people in the conference room, and I would start presenting a PowerPoint presentation. And uh, at the end of it, after an hour, I would have usually 10 out of 50 people, they would come up to me and they would say, how can you be our personal trainer, right? Mm-hmm. And so I would say, well, do you have a fitness center in your, in your building here? And they say, yeah, we do, it's downstairs. So I would talk to the property management company that ran the building, and I would get like a little key fob, and I would make a deal with them. I'd have to show proof of insurance, you know. Mm-hmm. And then I would start scheduling these people for sessions in their building. And then I would go to a different building, and I would do another seminar. And then same thing would happen. I would have all these people would come up to me afterwards. How can you be our personal trainer? And same thing. So eventually I had five different places that I would go. Oh, my goodness. And I couldn't do them all. I couldn't service them all. So that's when I started hiring trainers, not with the purpose of really me making money from it, but it was more related to, hey, I'm going to just, you know, pay you 70% of, so I'm, I'm really not making much money at all out of it, but I just want to make sure that I still have these office buildings that I can go to. Because I, if, I, if I can only go to two, but I've got five interested, I want to kind of keep them on the, on the leash a little bit. Yeah, you want to service them all yep. and help all the people. So what do you think it was at your lunch and learns that drew these people to be like, oh my gosh, I need to train with you? Yeah. I used to do two main presentations. It was, it was really just all I needed was, was two. One was Fat Loss 101. So mm-hmm. I think people love that one. And the other one was how to incorporate fitness into your busy schedule. So that, Very that was, important. I would usually do that one first. And mm-hmm. then Fat Loss 101 would be the second of, of the presentations. But, you know, it's because you think of, you know, your office workers, that's the big challenge when it comes to fitness for them. It's, you know, how do we have make time to get in the gym? So I would map out an entire plan for them on, on this is your type of schedule. You know, this is if you can't work out. This is if you can't go to the gym. And so it was just a whole big schedule, you know, just we would talk about the whole thing. Mm-hmm. And afterwards, they're like, cool, you know, you, you can train us at 12 o'clock on our lunch break. Yeah. And I'm like, all right, let's do it. Do you do anything with corporate fitness now? It's been a long time since I've done that stuff, mm-hmm. but it's something like, like you know, me, Shane and I, we talk about it, and once his facility is ready to go, that yeah. we want to kind of get more into that and do maybe, you know, we might have to do Zoom seminars yeah, for I people. was just about to say, like, yeah. corporate fitness really, like, isn't a thing right now because no one's in the office. Yep. So you went fully virtual before all this happened, right? Or did this cause you to go? So with MVD performance, did this did COVID cause you to have to shift? That's a, yeah, that's a good question. Uh, it it made me shift even more, but like I do work with with skaters and coaches in different countries, mm-hmm. so different states, different countries. There's a great figure skating coach in Australia. So there's a, a woman named Oksana, great coach in Australia. I'm, I'm like super impressed with her. And I've been designing training programs for her and her skaters for, for years now. And even before, you know, so way before the, the COVID hit, uh, it's been a while. But what I did was I had to revamp things. What I did was 
uh, I wanted to find a platform, like a, like a mobile app platform that I could use. Because what I was doing was just taking a bunch of videos, creating YouTube playlists, where I would send a link for a YouTube playlist. I'd have to type up like an entire PDF yeah, document. It's a lot. You know? It's cluttered. It's, yeah. So it was just way too much. And so what I did was I, I what I like is True Coach. Mm-hmm. So I use True Coach as, as an app. Uh, what I did was I took, I've got hundreds of YouTube video clips, all different exercises. So I've got hundreds over the years that I've put on there. I converted all of them to True Coach yeah. exercises and I linked them. So if I do a search for you know core exercise, just put in the word core, I'm going to get an entire list pop up of every core exercise that I've ever videoed. So And, and then it's so easy to create programs in the app mm-hmm. and then link the video just from that. It's so easy to do. Just streamlines the whole process. Yeah. And now that's what I was looking for. So as soon as COVID hit, I'm like, you know something, I've got to get much more into the virtual stuff. So I've got to figure out ways to do more Zoom work and also do more m- mobile app program design. And you found it. Yeah, and it's, it's been good since. Yeah. So where did all of this start? You, you went to school, Florida State, but you're from New York. So tell me a little bit about your background. Yeah. So you know, me getting into fitness originally, like I think what really got me into it was Probably when I was 12 years old, my dad had a heart attack, and he you know, was a smoker. He was very overweight, and he had a double bypass surgery. So, so I got to see all that when I was 12, and then right after that, he got his first gym membership mm-hmm. to like you know the Bally's Total Fitness, I think it was. And I was 13, and, and he got me the, a membership as well. And so I started going with him every day after school. I would go with him to the gym. And I would start out, you know, doing like uh, the circuit room, like the little, you know, I was like the little 13 year old boy going to the little circuit room with a little voice, you know, over, over the loudspeaker. Oh, and they're just Back then it was like do. 15 seconds, stop, <laughs> rotate. And you'd go to the next machine and, and every machine was like, had the little pieces of tape on the weight stacks where you put the pin in the weight stacks, like uh, beginner, intermediate, advanced. Oh man. Like little like different colored tape. Mm-hmm. So I, I did that for two years. Like all I would do was that room. My father would not let me like do any like. Where like, was your dad? Uh, I don't even remember what he was doing. He, he was, was like, nowhere. sorry, he was son. Nowhere. Eventually, <laughs> he was just like dropping me off, nice. you know, and he wasn't even staying. But uh, no, when I was fifteen, I I started like you know going upstairs, working out with all the fifty-year-old men, and I just I started you know loving weightlifting. It was it was all body part stuff back in those days in, in the early nineties. That's all it was. Mm-hmm. Guys working out with like striped. You know, little tights and little string tank tops. Oh wow! You like, don't people don't wear that now. What do you I mean? No, that's it. Man. It's all about buys and tries, baby. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but that's how I started out. You know, doing it. It was it was all because of I think my father's issue got me in the gym in the first place. I remember watching the personal trainers, you know, back in the gym, and I thought it was really cool just watching these guys, you know, do work. And so when I went to college and I was 20 years old. You know, I still worked out. You know, I, I was wasn't a trainer yet, but I just like to go go to Florida State. It has, it has this huge rec center, so mm-hmm. the Leach Recreation Center, huge like three story place. It's called Leach. Leach. You yep. think they could have come up with a better name? Well, it's uh, the guy's name, so it was like Bobby okay. Bobby Leach. Sorry, like Bobby. That. Yeah, Bobby Leach Center. But uh, so I, I decided at the end of my sophomore year of college that I wasn't going to go back to New York, and I I needed a job, and I'm like, well, you know something? I've always liked working out. You know, I, I played sports when I was in high school. I, I, was, I liked to wrestle. I played football. 
So I, I worked out for that stuff, but I always enjoyed it. So I, I just decided, I'm like, you know something, they're hiring fitness instructors at Florida State. I'm going to try to become a fitness instructor. And I had an interview with, you know, the, the fitness coordinator and I thought it went terribly. Like he was asking me all these questions like, where do you learn fitness from? You know, do you learn it from a magazine like Muscle and Fitness? And, and he, so he's trying to figure out like where you learn things from. And I, I remember him asking me like, what's the difference between a seated calf raise and a standing calf raise? I mean, I, it's very important. Yeah. Right? But I didn't like back then. I didn't know that. Yeah. Like, I didn't know the difference. So I, I think I said, well, one, you're sitting, one, you're standing. Yep, right like, answer. Right? So I, and, but he still hired me. Like, he hired me anyway. And uh, But, I, but I, I became pretty fascinated with it. I, I worked six consecutive semesters at Florida State. I was the longest tenured fitness instructor they had on staff, really until I graduated. And I worked summers. Like, I just never took time yeah. off. And I would just, uh, I would do three-hour shifts because that, that's what it was back then. And, uh, you, you know... You asked about Top Gun exercise leader, you know. Mm, yeah. So that's Tell the, me about that. the top fitness instructor at Florida State was was given the award Aww. Top Gun exercise leader, and it was my goal to always get that, and it was really tough to get. There's like 25 instructors, and, and it goes to one person, and it was my last semester that I was at Florida State, so I was finally named Top Gun exercise. Yeah, leader like they had to give it. To, of course, like how did they know. not at this point? <laughs> A lot of it was based on percentages, so that you have to work the numbers too. Oh. Where if you're there for three hours, you had to have three appointments. So, you, so you're looking at you're you've full. got to have 100 percent of your like attendance of your hours. So, you, my job back then was just to walk around the facility, find a student, and for free, I would just have to say, you know, I can schedule a time with you. We can sit down, go over your fitness goals. And I can design you a training program. That's free? It was all free back then. What? Yeah, 1998. It was That's all free. That's amazing. Yeah. And I went through a really awesome training program. So the, the guy who hired me, uh, we'll just say his name is Lim. He was a guy from Singapore. He was, he was brilliant. Like, he's a brilliant guy. Um, he was super tough on us. His tests were the hardest I've ever taken. This is at Florida State. At Florida State, yeah. They... Gave you test. Yeah. Oh, yeah. When you're when you're a fitness instructor there, you've got to you got to get an eighty five percent or better on his test, and his test is all fill in the blank. It's twenty six questions from from what I remember, and each question had like an A B C D E F, and so oh, it was all just wow. lines. It was all just blank lines. So we had a, an entire binder of information and charts and stuff we had to study and memorize, so we could write it out. In this, in the test, in the, his test. That's intense. And so, and he gave us two weeks. So you have two weeks during the mm-hmm. summer to really study and learn the material, mm-hmm. and then you've got to take it. Yeah. I don't feel like fitness instructors are really taught in that way anymore, right? I don't know. I'm it's sure colleges. you've seen a big change. Yeah. In that. So after Florida State, where did life take you from there? Yeah. So. Uh, Right after Florida State, that's, that's a tough, that's a tough. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, no, after Florida State, what happened was I moved to Orlando. I was looking for a job as a fitness director because I, I stayed, got my master's. Like my master's degree was uh, sports and fitness administration was, was the master's I got. So I stayed after I graduated and got my master's there. I worked, you know, full-time as a personal trainer all throughout grad school. So that's, that's what I did. I, I took classes at night. 
like 6 p.m. to 9 p.m., like three days a week. And, uh, and so once I was done with that program, you know, I was already a personal trainer for about four years. And my goal was to become a fitness director. That's what I really wanted to do. And what I did was I ended up taking a job in Orlando where I worked for a company where my job was basically selling personal training all day long. So I would get in at 7 in the morning. I would leave at like 9 o'clock at night. I was doing everything. I was hiring the trainers, training those guys. I had to schedule appointments. I had to meet with every new member that joined the gym. I had to do sell personal training packages that were everything. they were like five thousand dollar packages. Like we wanted people to pay for you know forty eight weeks up front in this scheme, and and it it, it was a tough job. So I, and, I, and it was my first like real you know director job out of college. I think I was like twenty three at the time. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it just, it, it wasn't a good, wasn't good. Didn't go well. <laughs> really? and I, I ended up getting fired. Oh and, uh, no, really? Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. I got fired from that job. Now here's the funny thing. Before I took that job, I interviewed with a company in, in the DC area. And, uh, the, the guy who interviewed me for that company, let's say his name is Mark. Right. And he, see, it's a, that's another good story. I don't want to get too far away from it. But, but anyway, let's just say, so I, I interviewed with these guys and I, I said no to them, mm-hmm. let's say. And then I ended up taking the job in Orlando. So as soon as I was fired from the Orlando job, mm-hmm. I reached back out to Mark after two months of no contact with him. And I said, look, if you still have that opening that we discussed, I'm ready to move to the D.C. area. Wait, did you say two months? I was only there two months. And then you got fired? I got or, fired after two months. So then you called Mark. Hey, take me back. Yes. Did he take you back? So the job that he offered me originally, which was in Arlington, Virginia, uh, that was filled. Mm-hmm. So that position was filled. He had a different position that was available in, in Woodbridge, Virginia. And I had every intention on it. And I said, look, I will fly up there this weekend. And I will interview with whoever you want. I had every intention of taking that job. So I did. I, I flew up the next weekend uh, to Woodbridge, Virginia. Mm-hmm. And I interviewed with uh, the general manager who was also very young at the time. I think she was like 25 and I was 24 at the time. And so I, and so I was hired for this job. And it was a club that was a big club that didn't have a whole lot of members to it. And what happened was... I took the job. It had no history of success for like three decades, this, this place. The goal per month for this club was doing about $3,000. That's it. So I had to do $3,000 per month. And it just, like, nobody's ever succeeded there, you know? So I inherited one trainer, so there was one person that worked there. Now, at the end of the first six months of me being in this position... We had about 10 trainers, and we were doing about $30,000 a month. How? How did you do that? So a lot of it was hiring the right people. That's it. I interviewed uh, this guy named Robert and this guy named Adam. You know, I'm I'm still good friends with them today. And uh, I hired the right people. And And he gave me a lot of freedom. So like Mark, the guy who hired me, gave me a lot of freedom and said, look, whatever you think will work, you can go ahead and try. So because I took the job in Orlando, I learned how to sell personal training really yes. well. So I had a lot of ideas. I had a lot of great ideas. 
And I used those ideas to create a similar selling system, but I would train the trainers on how to do it. And I made it very easy for them to sell personal training. And they were just, they did a good job. I, you know, both of those guys, uh, Robert became one of the top trainers in the company production wise. And, and Adam also, you know, did really well. So we, we upped the monies insanely. Oh yeah. 3,000 uh, to 30,000. Yeah. yeah. It was 3,000. We were, so the goal was three and we were doing 30. Yeah. And so we were, you know, top of the list for percent of goal, you know, by like day five. You make me yeah. want to hire you. Yeah. <laughs> like, teach me your ways. So in DC, what happened after that? So that's where you were also awarded fitness director of the year, right? So I, in 2002, which was my first year in that company, I was, I think I won an award like highest percent over goal. Mm-hmm. So the, yeah, like, so the fitness director of the year thing, it was actually the same company, mm-hmm. but it was not for about 10 more years. Okay. You know, so after, you know, that position, I was offered, uh, I was there for a couple of years and we grew that position. And of course the goal then became $30,000 per month. And, and so I, I think six months into that year, we were something like 105% of goals. So we were still doing it. We were still hitting those numbers, but I was offered a job, uh, which would become an area, kind of a regional fitness director job. Mm-hmm. And that's, uh, so I, I worked at, uh, a gold's gym in Chantilly, Virginia, they had contractors. So they had contractor trainers. They were bringing in about $5,000 a month as contractors. And my job was to show up and convert everything into an employee-based system and grow their monies and grow their training program. And so we did that over a couple years. Uh, We turned the 5,000 into 50,000 per month. And I had a team of like 20 trainers at this one club. And we, we had the highest grossing Gold's Gym in Virginia, you know, back back in those days. So we brought in more money in, in personal training back mm-hmm. then than really any any Gold's Gym ever did. It was it was a really great experience, great people. And uh, and then after that, I ended up, you know, I, I decided I wanted to start my own business. So that was in two thousand five. Okay, and so from there, yeah. that's when you started Functional Revolution. Yeah, and then you changed the name. Yep, and that, all that was, I started out with like two clients. Mm-hmm. That's it. I would drive to them. And so my business started out just as a mobile personal training business. That's it. I, I, I did that. I remember, uh, I had the opportunity to sub for somebody that back then the Washington post used to have an online chat called the moving crew and they needed a sub. So the trainer that they usually had couldn't make it. So they, uh, I, I, there's, there's more to it than this, but I subbed in for the guy, and uh, they liked how I answered the questions. Oh, God. Did so, you take his job? Well, so what they did was <laughs> they, they ended up off, they offered me a column in the paper. Hmm. So I had a, a column for, it was 2006 to 2007, so it was a, a pretty much a full year. They gave me, I think it was 300 words, and I would write a column every week. That was like in the Tuesday uh, fit section. And at the end of, at the bottom of the column had my name, my contact information. It actually said like, like Matthew Blair Davis is an award-winning personal trainer, blah, blah, blah. Uh, reach him at this email address. Oh, what great marketing Yeah, that so was. thousands of people yeah. would read like, would read the paper, you know, on, on the Metro. 
in around the DC area and they would so I would get people contacting mm-hmm. me about personal training just from the column that I would write. And it was it turned out to be really good. I, I contracted with a private personal training gym in Georgetown and I would just I would go there and I would train people. And it was uh it was it was just a place where all private trainers used to congregate with their clients. Like I think back then like Madeline Albright used to go there and train with her trainer. I used to you know, she was sitting on like the leg extension next to me, you know. Wow. Yeah. So what makes you award winning? That's a good question. Uh, like what my secret to success as a personal trainer over the years, really what it's been, it's a, it's a great question. I was the guy like in 2005, I was the guy bringing like my TRX suspension trainer in a bag everywhere I would go. And as every personal trainer was putting people on like the chest press machine with the stack of weights and the pin in it. I was having people doing like, you know, suspension training work all different ways. And trainers used to look at me and they're like, what the hell is that? They're like, you know, what's this guy doing? And so I, and then eventually kettlebells, like Mm -hmm. the kettlebell started becoming popular right around that time. So what I decided to do was learn. I'm like, Hey, I'm going to do Pavel's, you know, Russian kettlebell challenge because there was no SFG back then. So back then he was associated with, with, uh, RKC. And so I ended up flying to Minnesota paying, you know, a couple thousand dollars just so I could be learn from Pavel on how to use kettlebells. So I became a Russian, you know, kettlebell instructor. And then I wanted to learn how to, how to do Olympic weightlifting. Mm-hmm. So in, I think it was 2007, I ended up saying, okay, I'm going to do USA weightlifting and I'm going to do their sport performance coach certification, but I'm going to fly to Kansas so I did. So I lived in, in the D.C. area at the time, mm-hmm. and I ended up taking a flight to uh, Kansas City, and I ended up renting a car and driving to, like, Olathe, Kansas. To mm-hmm. I, I just showed up at the door of uh, Mid-America Nazarene University. Like, I've never been to Kansas before, but I showed up for that weekend just so I could work with a, a great master strength coach named Tom Cross. He's, he's actually just recently passed away. But uh, I mean, he was—I have great memories just from that weekend of him teaching me Olympic weightlifting, you know, back then. And so, so it's just my secret has always been: I'm going to learn as much as I can about every type of training I can. So you look at something instead of saying, "What the hell is that?" You're like, "I'm going to learn everything there is to know about." Yes, great example would be the Citadel. So that's a great example. Uh, 2017, I went to a state clinic. At uh, it was actually at in Lexington, in South Carolina. It was at the Sorenex headquarters. Great place. It's an amazing place. And so I, I went there to learn as much as I could for the day. And one of the presenters was Donnell, who's the coach head D. strength coach. Yeah, Coach D. You know who he is. And so I, I so I met Donnell. His presentation was so good. I was so impressed with it that I went up to Donnell afterwards, and I said, "Look, anything that you want to teach, I want to learn." And he's like, well, let's stay in touch. And I visited him at the Citadel. And I said, hey, I've got the summer. I'd like to learn as much as I can. And so he says, okay. And he's like, I'm not going to make you an intern. But if you want to be like a volunteer coach, if you want to be here at 5 in the morning, you're more than welcome to come in. We've got like from 5 a.m. to 10 10 a.m. We've got two groups that come in. One is like 60 football players. One is... 
going to be basketball and, and some wrestlers and a few other guys. And I took them up on it. So oh, I said, I okay, let's do did. it. Yeah. I was like, cool, let's do it. So I would show up at, at the Citadel at you know, 4.55 a.m. Because 5 a.m. is late. Oh, my gosh. You, know? you and, one of those? Yeah. And I, and I well, that's, that's Donnell. You know, mm-hmm. Donnell is a great, he's a brilliant guy. And, uh, but I, I would go there and I would, I would have a rack and I'd work with the guys on a rack and, and, you know, there, there was at the time a freshman point guard that was having a really hard time with his cleans. And, and so I, I worked with him a lot on just teaching, teaching how to do really good power cleans. And, and, uh, you know, I learned, I learned the program that they use with their players. And so I, I learned a whole different type of format. I learned more about triphasic training. I learned more about uh, tier system training and formatting and uh, just that environment I never worked in collegiate strength and conditioning so just being in that environment was really cool it was a great experience you know and, and working with the coaches there was was a great experience too like back then Mike Morgan was there uh, he was great great young strength coach who's now you know kind of a, a director doing other things uh, and, and the interns that I learned a lot from the interns I was like 15 years older than they were, but, you know, one of them, this guy Laramie, ended up becoming, a, a couple years later, became the head strength coach at, at Southern University, and he's working with all the football players there. He, he does a great job, so uh, it was just a great group of people, and I learned a lot from it. So, like you asked me, the secret to my success, it's always been, you know, you learn as much as you can, and over the years, I've either done a certification or gone to a national conference really every year for the past 20 years. Just trying to learn. I learn as much as I can. And I think personal trainers way too often just are like, all right, I know some stuff. I get along with these things. I'm just going to start training everybody. And, you know, they might have an ACE certification or something like that. And they're just working nonstop. But the thing is, they're kind of getting a little burned out because they're not learning anything new. And what, what's prevented me from ever getting burned out as a personal trainer is the fact that I always learn new things. And I'm very adaptable as a, as a personal trainer, which means that, you know, I, I can have somebody who's got MS, you know, on, on one hand, and the other hand, I can have uh, an elite athlete. Like, you know, I, I was a strength coach for the, this, the Stingrays hockey team. So I did, I did that for a full year, uh, 2016, 2017. I worked with those guys who were, you know, like 24, 25 years old, great athletes. And uh, so I've worked with that type of person. I've worked with special populations. So because of all the experience and, and, you know, learning as much as I have learned, you know, and continue to learn, it just makes you very adaptable where I can train this type of person and then train somebody completely different the next hour. So obviously that would be a huge strength, right? So... What do you think is your biggest weakness? Yeah, my biggest weakness sometimes is I get a little technical. Like I'll, I'll get a little too technical when when I design programs, they have to be really perfect. Like I'm way too much of a perfectionist with it. And I wish I could design training programs uh, at a little faster clip. Like I spend way too much time. I feel like I waste time sitting, thinking too much. I might sit down for an hour just working on uh, somebody's workout program for for one hour, and I just wish I could figure out ways to streamline that. And uh, it's 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 a good question. Uh, there's a guy named Brendan Rerick who runs the Certified Functional Strength Coach program, and I've had a lot of conversations with him 
because he's big on checklists. And their program, so the CFSC program, which is a Mike Boyle-based program, it's, it's all checklist-based. Regressions, progressions. So you've got your base exercise, and then based on can you do this, no, you can't, let's regress. Mm-hmm. So they've got an entire checklist formula where you start here at one level, and then if you can't do that, you regress. If you do it really well and it's too easy, you progress. So using checklists like that have really helped me you know, speed up the process a little bit of designing programs. So systematizing it. Yep. Mm-hmm. So what do you think makes a great coach, a great personal trainer? Yeah, you know, a lot of people would say motivation, you got to be really encouraging and this and that. It's that's for a certain type of person. You know, I think a, what makes a great personal trainer, you know, number 1 is somebody who does continue to learn because you've got to keep learning it just non-stop of what you're doing. Like I spent most of my COVID time just on podcasts and and you know, watching webinars and, and you know, coaches for, versus COVID and I must have done, I think I got all my CEC hours for like yeah. the next like, you know, three years all just from, <laughs> just in from the bank. Stuff. Yeah. Exactly. But I think, you know, you've got to be a great trainer. You've got to learn a lot, but you also, you know, you obviously you got to care a lot about the people you work with and it's not always about being super motivating. Some people don't like that. You know, I've worked with a lot of people who honestly would prefer me to just not really just talk much. Be quiet. Yeah. Let, let them, do, let their them do their thing. And, but a, but a great coach is somebody who will correct. And there's so a big pet peeve of mine is when I watch a personal trainer and I'm watching what the client is doing and it's obvious that you, you, the person's not doing this exercise correctly. Could be breathing, could be posture based. You know, they, they're doing a suspension train or something and it's just like getting loose every time. They're not maintaining tension on it. Just, you know, just little things, foot position, hand position. When I see things that can be corrected and the personal trainer just stands there watching a movement that's incorrect, maybe because they are too lazy to fix it, you know, or or maybe they don't know, but hopefully they know. But if they're too lazy to fix it and they're watching this go on, I, as soon as I see something my client is doing incorrectly, anything could be. You know, a back foot, the heel is down versus, you know, kind of the, the heel lifted so they're on the ball, the foot. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I'm a real stickler for if you're in a split stance, you know, I, I want that, that good position with your back foot. It's all those little details. Wrist position when you're, when you're holding weight, holding a kettlebell, you know, wrist position. Uh, you know, how your kettlebell, how you're pressing the kettlebell. You know, are you pressing it, you know, uh, where, where you're, you know, going kind of, kind of outside, inside to your ear where your arm is completely straight like a pillar. You know, it's, it's all the little details that I think make a great personal trainer as far as the, the technique goes. What is your thing that you're like, if everyone would just do this, the world would be a better place? The world? I mean, I'm not the right person to ask that question. All right. Just uh, generalize it. You know, what's the one thing that you're like, if everyone would do this, we would all be healthier. We would all be happier. Healthier and happier? Oh, boy. I mean, I, I mean, it's just movement. You know, I, I can think of some people I know that are in pain. There's a lot of people that are in pain just every day physically. And uh, I see pictures of them on Facebook, and it's, uh, yep, I'm sitting on my couch again. Here's my feet. You know, I'm on the couch. Here's my feet. And that those people are in pain. And 
you know, it's funny, the research I've done on arthritis is, you know, if you look at bones, right, and you look at back in the caveman days, you think about how much they moved. So these people, they're, they're hunting, they're gathering, they're probably running away from animals trying to, you know, kill them and eat them. But, uh, but if you look at their bones, their knees, let's say, they, it's very clean. So there's not a whole lot of arthritis in their, in their knees. Then you look at somebody who's very sedentary these days, and they're not moving much, and they're in pain. And you're trying to figure out why, why is this person in pain? They look at their, their bones, you know, once they've passed away, you look at their bones, and the bones are, are just all beat up. They're all, they're all messed up. So what's the difference between the person who's sedentary who has arthritis versus the person back in caveman days that was moving around all the time and they were perfectly fine and healthy? You know, it's, it's interesting to think about, but a lot of it to me, I think, is just, it's muscles. I feel like the stronger you are around a joint, then the healthier the joint is going to be versus if you're not that strong around a joint and you're, you're trying to put movement into it, any movement starts to hurt. Because you don't have that, those stable joints. You don't have the ability. It's the, you know, the, the whole mobility versus stability continuum of joints, which you know, it's, it's interesting stuff. I'd also say, like, didn't cavemen not live as long? That's, that's true, too. That's <laughs> There's true a lot too. of factors here. Yeah. All right, so what yeah. are your biggest goals going forward? So in the next five years, where do you go from here? Yeah, I mean, right now I'm, I'm really focused on helping Shane. I, I really want to help him out and help his facility grow. Uh, you know, and, and the reason why Shane is a great guy, like a good example of, of why I, I work for him, is, is a good example is we've got a recumbent bike that we're looking at selling. Like we want to sell it. We, we want to get rid of it. I worked with a woman who's got MS, a great woman. I, I used to love training her. I would have trained her for free if I could. And... I don't work with her anymore because I'm not, you know, at, at that place anymore where I used to see her. And I reached out to her because we, we I used to put her on the recumbent bike. It's a great bike. If you have MS, it's a great tool to have. You know, you're not going to fall off the bike. And so I, I reached out to her and I said, hey, are you interested in this bike? And she's like, yes, that would be great in my house. That would be excellent. How much do you want for it? So I, I told Shane the story about her you know, who she is, you know, what's going on. And I said, how much do you want for the bike? And Shane thought about it. And he says, you know something, let's just give it to her. And so I told her, I said, look, we're just going to give you the bike. And she, she was like, you guys have moved me to tears. That's how happy she was about getting this bike. I mean, it, it made her day like it made her week. I mean, I'm sure it helped her a ton. And just, like, having that piece of equipment at her disposal. Uh, It was was awesome. Super helpful. It was was a great gesture. And we're getting a replacement, you know, for that Mm -hmm. type of bike anyway. So so once we get the replacement, we're going to actually put it on a truck and deliver it to her house. Oh, yeah. So she'll have this bike. But that's, uh, you know, that's the kind of guy he is. And and it's, you know, working with someone like that. And and Shane has, has a son who's got a medical condition. A very you know young son, like five six years old, and uh, you know he, he, you never know he may not make it. He may not make it. So any good juju that you know he can produce, you know for for you know for the Lord, you know he's he's going to try to produce it. You know and he's he's definitely a, a man of faith, which I really admire. And uh, so you know my so what I would re- really like to do is help him out as much as I can, 
and help grow his team. And, and hopefully we can find some good personal trainers that want to join that team. And I, I can help, you know, coach and train those personal trainers up. Because really what I enjoy these days, much more than personal training, is working with a really coachable personal trainer that wants to learn. Training the trainers. That's what I really want to find. I'm, I'm looking for, you know, one person that I can really work with and I can train that person to be. And, and I've done it for so many years where I've, I must have hired hundreds of personal trainers over the years. And a lot of them have gone on to be directors themselves or, or successful business owners themselves. So, yeah, like now you're at the point where you're trying to teach all these other people how to do what you do and how to be successful. So it's like you're a yeah. business coach. Yeah, I mean, because I've been doing this, this is my 23rd year. You know, in, in 2021, is going to be my 24th year, I guess, doing it. Mm-hmm. And so, I, you know, I'm not going to get a gold watch, you know, when I hit 25 hey. years. It's not going to happen. <laughs> but, uh, you know, it's been a while. It's been a long time mm-hmm. that I've, you know, I've seen things change. I've seen things shift over the years. And, and uh, I would like to help kind of the next generation you know, a guy in his 40s now who started when he was 20. I'd like to help the next generation just like I've had all these mentors help me. Mm-hmm. What's one thing that you want people to know about you? To know about me? Um, I would just say that one thing is my hobby is kind of a... But one, I'll, I'll say a couple hobbies. I'm, I'm a huge, huge Florida State football fan, mm-hmm. even though we've been terrible lately. <laughs> But I, when I was there, when I was at oh, Florida okay. State, when you we were, were well, I was, I was an intern uh, in, the, in the athletic department. So, you know, here's, here's something nobody really knows. I had the choice, uh, 1998, I had the choice. I, I just started as a fitness instructor at Florida State, and I was also an intern in the athletic department. And I really enjoyed both. And, like, what I did in the athletic department was during football games. This was back when we were, like, winning championships. I used to go up in the press box during games and I would help set everything up and they would give us tasks. So one of my tasks was I was the spotter for one of the games. So my job was to to stand in the radio booth with the broadcasters. When I did that, we were playing a, a USC Southern Cal. Oh, I was like, no USC. way. Yeah, we were playing okay. Southern Cal. Okay. And, uh, and I would watch really closely with binoculars and I would see like who made the tackle. Mm-hmm. And if you don't know, in the radio booth in, in, in a press box for football football games, they have what's called a flip card in front of them that has, it's got the roster of players with their numbers. And there's always somebody with binoculars watching what's going on. So number 55 makes the tackle. Immediately I would point on the card to number 55. And then the, the broadcaster with the headphones on, he would say, Tackle was made by up oh, number fifty five, and then, so that's how they would know who made the tackle. Do they tackle. still do it like that? I, I mean, this was twenty years ago. I know. I'm like, what? Yeah, but back then, that's how they did it. So, and I remember, uh, you know, we had a running back, Travis Miner, back then, and he played in the NFL for a while. But uh, I remember watching. I looked on the sidelines, and I saw he was out with ice on his ankle. And I saw so what I did was I saw that through the binoculars, and I ended up tapping the broadcaster on the shoulder. And I pointed to Travis Miner on the flip card that he had in front of him. And I pointed to my ankle and I went like, he's out. He's out. Like I did like the mm-hmm. he's out signal. 
And so then, then this the broadcaster says, oh, we just got word from an FSU official on the sidelines. Oh, my God. That Travis Minder is out with a hurt ankle. You know, so... <laughs> you and your binoculars. Yeah. So, but, but I did that, and uh, so I had a lot of really good... Like, I interviewed... I, I held a microphone in Bobby Bowden's face for a post-game press conference, and I, I didn't want to leave. And, and the, <laughs> the head of, you know, sports information was kind of, like, getting all mad at me. Oh, he's like, gosh. He's like, go, 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 go. And I, I didn't want to leave, but... But it was, I mean, that was a really fun experience and I had to make a choice. So I, it was either continue to work as a fitness instructor or continue to work in the athletic department. And at the time I needed money. One paid me and the other one didn't. Yeah. So I ended up continuing with the fitness instructor work and I never interned again with uh, sports information. I never did it again. And so that started me on a path of being a trainer that... You know, I, I, that's, I, 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 prob- I probably would have never met my wife. You know, it's interesting. If I ended up doing the, the athletic department stuff, I probably would never have met my wife because I met her, you know, through my work that your, I did as a trainer. Your whole life would have been so different. Yeah. yeah. I mean, uh, I, my head trainer back in like 2003 is a, a guy named Jason Rayner, who's a, one of the best personal trainers you'll ever find in Chicago. He's, he's a Nike master trainer, a uh, great friend. I, I love him. And uh, he ended up going to Virginia Tech for college. We were out one night, just having a good time in our, you know, in our mid-20s. And uh, you know, we're having a good time. And he, he's like, uh, you know, hey, are we still looking for a, a dietitian for our gym? And I was like, yeah, we're looking for a dietitian. And so he says, because I know this girl right here. I went to college with this girl right here. Virginia Tech and, and she's awesome. Is that your wife? And I, then I ended up I met my wife. Aww. And wow. so we met and I, I ended up hiring her. I hired her as a dietitian. <laughs> In that order? Yeah, no, that's you went funny. Her first. Like seriously, I, I got her phone number that night to call her for a job interview. And that's exactly what it was for a few months until I started my own business. Mm-hmm. And then we started dating after that. But because of uh, Jason, because he knew her from college, that's how we met. And I never would have known Jason unless I was involved in personal training. Yep. Connections, man. Yeah. So where can our listeners find you? Website, social media? Yeah. So on Instagram, uh, I'm pretty sure it's at MBD Performance okay. on Instagram. Uh, I'm always on Facebook. So you, know, you can do a search, Matthew Blair Davis on Facebook. Uh, you, know, you can DM me through Facebook, Instagram, uh, Twitter. I'm not a huge fan of. I just use it personally. Just to make some comments for Florida State stuff. (laughs) That's great. Cool. All right. Well, thank you so much. All right, everyone. Matthew Blair Davis. Thank you. Thanks a lot. Thank you so much for joining us, everyone. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Head on over to Instagram. Find us at Healthy Charleston. Leave us a review on iTunes. If you ever have any topics you want us to talk about or guests you want to bring on, feel free to DM us. Otherwise, thanks again.